Good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Big Red Huddle. This is our inaugural episode on on the podcast. Uh, just looking to uh, establish ourselves, talk some Husker athletics, just have some have some fun um, throughout this this episode and, and future episodes. If you want to get in contact with us, you can get us on Twitter at Big Red Huddle. You can get us uh, at our website, BigRedHuddle.com, uh, and then we'll be getting up on YouTube as well at Big Red Huddle. This is our inaugural episode, uh, just looking to have some fun, talk to different people that have a passion for Husker athletics. Uh, our focus in this, um, on this channel is going to be primarily uh, Husker football. Uh, we will delve into some basketball uh, and baseball when, when that warrants as well. Um, creating this just, just to, for entertainment um, and more entertainment for myself probably than, than anybody that will be listening, but uh, just looking to, to have some fun, hoping to get some interaction with uh, fellow Husker fans across the country um, as we enjoy this ride that, that we're on with, with Matt Rule. Um, now Dylan Raiola and, and others. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be focusing on football, uh, maybe doing some blogging in, in the future. That's, um, we got the website established for that, but our focus will um, probably be on the, the podcast side as I just enjoy talking, talking Husker Athletics. Uh, probably do this on a weekly cadence for, for now. Um, try to get an episode out every week on the weekends. Uh, and then over time, especially when we hit spring ball and then in the fall, maybe we'll go uh, more, um, we'll get more episodes out or, or a stricter cadence at that point in time. Um, for today, we're going to um, keep it pretty high level and, and probably fairly short. Uh, we're going to take a look at the 2023 football season. I'm uh, not going to do a deep dive in that. Everybody's watched the games. Everybody's got their opinion. That's that's a month in the past, over a month ago now, um, but figure we should, we should look at that. And then uh, my primary focus today will be taking a deep dive into uh, 2023 coaching performances, just take a look at the staff, um, some rumblings out there of, of some different changes that could be occurring, some things that I would like to see change, um, but also the good, right? We've, we've got a lot of good going on with the staff this year, um, and then as we as we move forward as well. So with that, let's let's huddle up. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit. We'll start with uh, the 2023 football season. Um, as, I, as I kind of evaluate the year, I, I break it down into three parts. Um, kind of the, those first two games, you've got Minnesota and Colorado. Um, I, I know coming out of those games, uh, extremely, extremely disappointing. Um, two just, you know, amazing college football atmospheres, um, environments. Uh, obviously, Jeff Sims didn't necessarily perform as we as we would all ha have have liked. Um, can't put it all on him. Um, new staff, new new uh, mechanics, if you will. Um, saw a lot of um, kind of issues, concerns, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, that then um, trickled over into the the defense there and in, into in Colorado. But um, started to just really um, you know wipe wipe the slate clean coming out of Colorado, and I think that's. Where you started to see see this turn a little bit, and it would have been nice if you know with a new coaching staff, um, new coach, new quarterback, you could have started with maybe those more traditional non-conference opponents, uh, which which is where we w went through next: Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. Heiner Carberg comes in and kind of settles things down a little bit. See two pretty easy, convincing um, wins there before we we hit Michigan. Uh, we all know what happened with with Michigan. Um, 
that that was probably another major turning point in the year. I know there's been a lot talked about on that Sunday practice that occurred after that, um, where Rule and the, the coaching staff weren't real happy with um, just the overall effort given in in that game and in that second half specifically, which which then really spawned this team to go on a run. Um, I mean, immediately after that, Illinois probably the most complete game of the year um probably could argue between that and purdue which was next um illinois finished 20 27 final score but that game wasn't wasn't even that close i think it what three turnovers inside um the red zone defense just completely dominated illinois had one pass score over the top there in the second quarter but i mean after that goal line stand in the first quarter um illinois really didn't really didn't do much offense moved the ball really well um probably you know, my first game that I started to to really get excited about what this team could do. Um, Illinois, or I'm sorry, Northwestern then um, coming out of that bye, 17-9. Purdue, 31-14. Again, defense at this point has just really established themselves. There's no, no real um, conversation around what the strength of this team is where, where we will have to kind of uh, rely on. Um, just really impressed with with Tony White and and some of those assistants, which we'll we'll talk about here in a minute. And then from there, it's the unfortunate finish that I think you know we're, we're all saying what if, what what could have been, um, probably the most disappointing game for me of the year, Michigan State. Um, you know, just just never really defense were on their heels um, at times. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say throughout the game, but at times didn't really see or get uh, the stops there that we were accustomed to. Heinrich Harburg, um, just hate to say this about a kid, but just kind of atrocious, right, for for that game. Um, Don't fault him at all. You know, he's in a position that he was sprung into, um, you know, with with the decline of Jeff Sims, the, the injury to Jeff Sims guy just battles his tail off so love love the kid but just um just really struggles reading defenses and, and getting the ball out and and where it needs to be and and that was evident um pretty clearly in that that game against michigan state um so we dropped that one 2017 come back um was really excited about maryland at home thought this was you know coming off michigan state thought the team would rally and they did um defense was just all over the field several turnovers uh Javen Wright and you know that that interception um, Brown uh, with that turnover just you know did everything to put this team in a position to get over the hump uh, Chuba comes in there um, in the fourth quarter takes the team what 90 90 yards 95 yards down the field in position to um, at least take the lead with a field goal I, I like the aggressive play call there to, to try to get the touchdown um, got to play to win can't play scared uh, he uh, the play was there could have been there um, you know right wide receiver runs the wrong route Chuba throws a, a, a poor ball gets picked off uh, Maryland goes down kicks the field goal just a, a gut-wrenching loss uh, team comes back though the next week 14 nothing immediately on Wisconsin I thought hey this, this is it getting our sixth win um, and and just a, a another gut wrenching loss, which was the theme of these these last four games. Uh, go to overtime against Wisconsin. My my only criticism on this game would be, you know, we're we're down 
we're down 17-14, driving late in the fourth quarter. We have all the momentum. Um, and then we went into a shell uh, and, and really settled for that game-tying field goal. Really would have liked to have seen Sat and, and Matt Rule put the put the pedal down and, and get at least attempt to go for the win there as opposed to settling for the tie and overtime. I do think the events from the previous week in Maryland contributed to that. So um, under, under, understand their, their philosophy, their, their thought process there. I just would have differed a little bit if I, um, you know, had, had that opportunity to, 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 to go for the win. We, we went for the win the week before and we didn't go for the win um, against Wisconsin. So, and then Iowa, um, I don't know. That, that's, that's tough. I, I haven't, haven't been part of a game where you're on the opponent's side of the field, first and 10, under 30 seconds to go, and yet you lose in regulation. That's, um, that's Husker football, man, for the last 10, 15 years where we've, we've invented ways to lose, and we invented a new one there. Um, so, again, they kick a last-minute field goal, four games, uh, and 13 uh, to 10 uh, for the opponent, uh, just just really sorry three games, thirteen to ten. Minnesota, um, Maryland, and Iowa, uh, thirteen to ten. Um, just in, um, just gut gut wrenching. Last last second field goals on on all three of them. So, and this year five and seven. Um, I, 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 you look at the season as a whole, though you you'd be crazy to think um, to not think that the improvements been made. Uh, the culture within the program is is night and day, 180 degree difference. Really excited about what this coaching staff's established. Um, you may ask how how do you how do you magnify or how how do you measure culture? Well, um, just wrapped up the transfer portal. No nobody left, and in fact, Ty Robinson came out even before Iowa and said, "Hey, I, I, I want to come back. I want to want to be with this coaching staff. I want to learn under this coaching staff. I want to grow under this coaching staff." Um, so the culture's, culture's, uh, night and day from where it was under the previous staff, the development under the staff is, is night and day. So, uh, although disappointed with the record, uh, five and seven, extremely excited about, uh, the future and, and the go forward with the staff. So, um, that, that's just, again, brief, brief, brief recap, recap of the season, uh, everybody, everybody saw it. Everybody watched it. Everybody's aware of it. I mean, that was a month and a half ago, so I don't want to spend a, a ton of time on that. But did want to just kind of walk through there, give my high level thoughts um, of of some of those those performances. What I really want to focus on in this episode, though, is just taking a look at the the staff. Um, so we're through the season. Uh, we're we're almost through bowl season at the time of this recording. We just have the national championship game coming up on Monday. Uh, Michigan uh, versus uh, Washington. Uh, we're through the primary recruiting season. We had early signing day in December. Um, we have the transfer portal. A lot of that has has um, kind of worked through the system. We do have several visitors on campus this week, which I'm um, not going to hit on a, a ton here, um, but we should see a few more additions to the team. But we're, what we're really at now as we think about the college football calendar is um, coaches conventions coming up starting uh, this Sunday the seventh, um, and so let's let's evaluate the staff staff performance, um, and and then really dive into where you know we could have some changes. I mean it's it's not realistic to go f- you know year to year with the same 
10 assistant coaches. And, and I don't think we're going to see that um, as we move into 2024. So start with maybe where I think changes will occur. And then I want to also hit on some real big, you know, highlights, not, not surprises necessarily, but just highlights for me um, of the staff in, in 2023. And what gets me really excited as we as we move forward in 2024. So um, where <clears throat> where I kind of question things at the staff, I would start with the running back position and the running back coach, EJ Barthel. Um, he was put into a, a really tough spot coming out of out of northern Illinois with with Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson going down. Um, obviously, Anthony Grant's troubles, fumble problems right from. Uh, from Minnesota and from previous years and then you know which which went into the spring and fall camp of this year um, but after we move past the Gabe and the Ramir um, injuries and then Emmett Johnson starts to emerge which I'm I I don't know I, I was excited I was really excited about Emmett. I am really excited about Emmett Johnson I don't I'm not going to paint him as this you know program changing back um, but I think he brought a lot of juice when I saw him in that Illinois game and then in, in future games. He's just, just really solid. Um, but my, my biggest criticism from for EJ Barthel is really twofold. One um, is the running back rotation. If, if, you, if you view the games, you never see, <clears throat> excuse me, you never see a back get three, four, five carries in a row where they can start to establish a rhythm, get downhill. Um, you know, really feed the rock to a single back. There's two carries for Emmett, and then Josh Fleeks come in and gets a carry, and then Anthony Grant comes in and gets a carry, and then Emmett might come back in and get, a, you know, two carries. Um, the running back rota rotation uh, leaves a lot to be desired, in, in my opinion. Um, new age of college football, you're never going to have a single back that gets 30 carries a game. It's probably always going to be in that 15 to 20 range, which – it makes sense. I'm totally fine with, um, but you've got to allow these guys to get into a rhythm, get downhill, get into the rhythm of the game. Um, and we just never, never really saw that. It was, it was very herky jerky. Um, the other thing that I would mention for EJ Barthel is recruiting or, or lack thereof. Your, your running back coach on a staff typically needs to be an ace recruiter. Um, they've got to be bringing in talent. Um, we simply did not see that anywhere um, this this past season. Uh, people may mention or or speak to Kiwan Lacey, um, who was committed and then kind of blew up on the national stage before ultimately committing and going and signing with Missouri. That wasn't EJ Barthel's recruit. Um, that was uh, McGuire, uh, Garrett McGuire. He he recruited um, uh, Lacey. He was the the main point of contact for for Lacey, and so if, if even if that commitment were to stick, um, that that would have been a credit to McGuire, not EJ Barthel. And so up until this point, we really haven't seen. Um, anything out of EJ Barthel with respect to recruiting. Um, I'm really questioning the running back rotation. Um, I know EJ Barthel's got a lot of connections up in the Northeast and that's where he's primarily um, coached in the past and has family. Um, wouldn't be shocked uh, to see a, a move at, at that position um, 
whether that's a Matt Rule choice, an EJ Barthel choice, um, I, I think that's a position to watch. Um, I should mention in the running back room, right, there's a lot of question marks. I think Emmett, like if, we, if we look at the room today, Emmett Johnson's um, the clear, clear number one. A lot of questions on Gabe Bourbon and whether he can come back from that hip surgery and that hip injury. Um, early indications are that that, that should be um, – he should be good to go by fall, but that's a delicate injury for sure. Uh, Ramir um, with the shoulder, I, I do expect him back. Um, but Ramir's a third down back, and, and I, I get that's what Emmett um, is as well. But I think Emmett can be more of an every down back than than Ramir. And so there's my, my point kind of as we look through this room is there's a gaping hole. Um, we've got to get another, at least one more established back, and that um, – could come in the form of Dante Dowdell, who's uh, visiting uh, this week on um, on campus currently as we're as we're taping this this show or this episode. Uh, he's he's a transfer. He was a true freshman this last year. Transfer out of Oregon, um, uh, originally um, or or came out of Mississippi. Committed, went to Oregon, played his freshman year at Oregon. Uh, went into the transfer portal pretty late into the process. He was depending on what service you look at number six number eight overall running back in 2023 uh, played in six games at oregon um nothing nothing really negative right or spawned him going into the transfer portal other than the kid wants to play there's there's two dynamic backs there in oregon ahead of him um and so with him already using one year of eligibility um would probably be in a very similar position in that rotation uh, in 2024 and so he's looking for a spot to um, kind of establish himself and and get get carries and I, um, I I feel really good about where where Nebraska sits there going going into the visit and we'll we'll see how that plays out over the next 24 or 48 hours so that would that would be a big big pickup if if that were to come to fruition um, <clears throat> the other spot that I would look at is um, or probably just needs to be evaluated is Marcus Satterfield um, and I it may surprise you a little bit with my thoughts on Marcus Satterfield. I, I break down his performance um, in two ways. Um, he's the OC, obviously, but he's also the quarterback coach. I think as an OC, um, it's an incomplete grade. If you look at the offense holistically for who started in against Minnesota versus who was starting at the end of the year in Iowa, completely different personnel, um, a lot of really young personnel that have never played before but if you look at plays and you just look at how things are drawn up especially if you get access to the all 22 you see receivers running open all over the place um heiner carberg love the guy again he he's not his strength is not sitting back there reading defenses and and picking them apart and putting the ball where it needs to be um so i think schematically there's a lot there to be really excited about now, um, you also got to call plays to to your strengths, right? So there, I, I understand the criticism, I understand the uh, maybe questioning, if you will, but I, I, I would say incomplete at, at the OC position. Um, now, for quarterback, <laughs> it, it'd be hard to give much more than an F uh, for quarterback development. Now, I, I say that with, you know, go back to what Rule said after the season. The plan coming in was for Marcus Satterfield to coach tight ends not quarterbacks he's he's not a quarterback coach at at his core 
Um, so I think there's upside there from the offensive coordinator position. Would fully expect him to be the offensive coordinator. There's nothing out there that would lead me to think differently. And, and I think there's some excitement that can be had there with him as OC. Um, but it would be really disappointing if Marcus Satterfield is coaching um, QBs next year. And, and I don't think he, he will be. Um, there's uh, several things that have been out there or several names that have been out there to kind of keep an eye on. I would expect Marcus Satterfield to be coaching tight ends next year. So Josh Martin um, has been that in that role in an interim basis since the beginning of the year. Um, when we had that um, unfortunate situation with Bob Wagger, he was let go as, as permanent tight end coach uh, or full-time tight end coach. And um, Josh Martin came in on a, on a quote unquote interim basis. I think he's still in play for a permanent role, but um a lot of other things will need to play out before that happens. I think Marcus Satterfield moves to tight ends, keeps his OC um, role or title. And then the name that I've heard quite a bit is Glenn Thomas, who's currently an offensive assistant with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, Steelers play their final game of the year tonight uh, against Baltimore. We'll see if, if they're able to squeak into the playoffs. There's a very good chance that their season ends today um, or tonight, which would then open up uh, his availability. Uh, he's got um, a lot of background uh, with Matt Rule, was co-offense coordinator and QB coach um, with him at Baylor, also at Temple, started out as a QB coach, and then OC. Uh, could see him coming in as like a quarterback coach, co-offensive coordinator title, or QB QB coach, passing game coordinator. You could get really, you know, um, you can play around with those titles just to, to make sure people um, are, are paid accordingly. But I, I do think we'll have a dedicated uh, QB coach. And if I had to guess today, Glenn Thomas is, is that name to keep an eye on. Um, there is there is one other, well, there's several other names that have been speculated on. One that's been a little bit um, hot and heavy for the last week or so is Dana Holgerson. I'm not sure that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Dana Holgerson comes out of that Mike Leach offense, um, short passing game, quick passing game, more of an up-tempo offense. I'm not sure that's exactly what Matt Rule wants to do. If you listen to him talk, he's pretty upfront with uh, ball possession offense, uh, run the ball, get downhill, eat up the clock, protect your defense, etc. But what I will say is when you're able to get a talent like Dylan Riola, that, that, that could change your thinking as far as your offensive strategy, if you will. Um, you've got an arm talent. You've got a mind talent. What I mean by that is, it, you know, somebody that can sit back there, read defenses, but then an arm talent to get the ball where it needs to be. That certainly changes your thinking a little bit as far as how you want that offense to look. And perhaps Dan Holgerson is, a, is you know, makes a lot of sense in, in that situation. But um, we, I, I don't ever expect – um, you know, Matt Rule to to do a super up-tempo um, air raid type of offense where he then would put his defense in a, in a difficult position. And so um, I, I, I would still lean towards a Glenn Thomas um, QB passing game coordinator type of type of role with, you know, keep your eye on that Dana Holgerson kind of news, if you will, because that's um, that's interesting. And um, something I would really want to dive into a lot deeper if that were to come to fruition, but I'm not sure we're, we're quite there yet, but figure there's enough smoke to at least put that name out there.
two other coaches, <clears throat> really three other coaches I'd like to kind of highlight, Terrence Knighton and Rob Dvorkic. Um, these are two really young, up-and-coming coaches with very little experience, um, very unknown. Um, I, 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 I had, coming into the year, just full disclosure, um, tremendously excited about Terrence Knighton and what he brought to the program, was a little bit skeptical on Rob. Um, and, and, you know, both of them couldn't have done more um, or impressed me more uh, coming out of the year. So just focusing on, on Terrence Knighton first, um, Nash Hutmacher, if you looked last year, when I say last year, 2022, was one of many, right? And, and um, average, maybe at, at best. That dude was an absolute beast this year. Um, he, he started to get more attention at the end of the year, which maybe limited his stats. Um, but he absolutely carried that defense in, in several games. And, uh, you know, if, if not for our record, probably gets all Big Ten type of recognition. Um, and so between Terrence Knighton, his coaching, his development, and Corey Campbell on the strength and conditioning side, just, I mean, kudos to those guys because Nash – and Nash himself, right, buying in and, and doing all those things necessary to develop, he's now become and positioned himself as a, a true NFL prospect. Um, and I, I'm really excited as, as we see him move forward. You can't have the defensive line conversation without talking about Ty Robinson. Um, he, he didn't make as big of a jump as Nash, but, but he made a jump nonetheless. And I was... Um, really surprised to see him come back for, for next year. That tells you all you need to know about the excitement that he has, the trust he has for this staff, Terrence Knighton specifically, and then obviously um, Matt Rule. And then um, you look at some of the young guys that are up and coming. Uh, James Williams came out of nowhere. Um, that dude's got some burst off the edge that we haven't seen in quite some time. So I'm excited to see him with a full year of development under Terrence Knighton getting into the strength and conditioning program. Uh, Riley Van Poppel, um, you don't see true freshmen come in on the line very often and not lose a beat um, from your from your starters. And and he, he was right in the middle of that big um, play down at Illinois on that goal line stand. He He's going to be... Um, somebody to keep an eye on as we move over the course of the next couple of years. Um, Vincent Carroll Jackson, several others on the defensive line, young kids up and coming. That defensive line class from 2023 is, is really impressive. Would, would certainly um, recommend anybody go take a, take a look at that class because you're going to be hearing those names for a while. Pr Prince Will, Cameron Lenhart, um, don't need to get into a ton of that. I know everybody's aware of them. Um, all Amer Freshman All-American, uh, you know, uh, Prince will move more to that Jack position towards the middle of the end of the year. And that's just a perfect role for him. So um, it, it, we moved to linebackers and Rob Dvorkic. Um, you know, you Heinrich and Reimer kind of are who they are in, in, in that sound. I don't want to min that sounds minimal, like I'm minimizing their, their impact. They're huge. Right. Um, but they were huge before. And so I'm not going to give Rob a lot of credit for their development, but where I am going to give Rob a ton of credit for development is John Bullock, um, Javen Wright, uh, Makai Gaber. Um, all, all three of those guys played 
little to none pre in previous seasons. And then this year, all three played major snaps. Um, I mean, John Bullock was a starter at the beginning of the year. Um, Javen Wright came in and made some tremendous plays. His length, his athleticism at that linebacker spot is unmatched. Uh, Makai Gaber, you know, started off on special teams, made some huge special teams plays, and then found himself in the in the rotation. Um, Rob Dvorkic, again, just huge um, development that I saw um, within his group, and I'm really excited for for what I saw there. And as we approach spring ball, would expect a, at least one probably linebacker. Uh, portal um, edition don't have any any names there, there's a couple at least one that's on campus now from Syracuse that's um, on a visit I think there might be another one or two coming in uh, I do expect a, an inside linebacker addition to the team to kind of fill that role of um, Heinrich and, and Reimer um, but we'll see how that plays out um, last guy last coach I want to mention is Donovan Raiola um, a lot of unfair, probably, criticism coming out of the 2022 season. Um, Whipple and, and Frost really did the guys no favors and how plays were called, how they were developed, how they were um, just just really, uh, let's just say the, the offensive play calling left a lot to be desired with respect to uh, the offensive line. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say they're, you know, they're, they're gangbusters. They were gangbusters in 2023, but if you didn't see the development from game one to game 12, um, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Bryce Benhart, in my mind, is the most improved or was the most improved player from 2022 to 2023. Uh, I think Corey Campbell gets a lot of that credit, too, for the way he transformed his body. But Donovan Raiola also deserves a ton of credit for um, for that development. And I can't believe, you know, 2022, I would never have said this, but him coming back for 2024 is just a massive development for this team. And I'm really excited for him with the interesting, the interesting piece to, for me this year was the offensive line in my mind improved, which you don't see very often when Piper and Corcoran went down, you never want to see people get hurt. Um, and I think Corcoran's still got a bright future in this program, but when they got hurt and Prohaska came in at left tackle and Justin Evans Jenkins came in at guard, um, you stop seeing those, um, uh, those, those penalties, um, pre-snap penalties, um, holding penalties. Uh, I can't think of a, of a time when Prohaska let a guy come off the edge untouched, um, which we saw quite a bit with Corcoran. Um, that line was extremely solid by the end of the year. And so as we look towards 2024, I think this will be a strength in 2024, which is exciting because it hasn't been for forever. Um, you go into the spring with Prohaska at left tackle, uh, Ben Scott at center, uh, Bryce Benhart at right tackle. Those are unquestioned. Those, those three are, they're your, they're your starters. The guard position where it gets really interesting. I, I think Justin Evan Jenkins will be your right guard to start out the year. And here's where I get excited. Turner Corcoran, I think, will be your left guard. Um, Turner Corcoran's a guard. He's never shouldn't have ever been a tackle. So it's not his fault that he's been pressed into that role out of necessity. But I think if we can give Corcoran a full spring and fall at left guard, again, Prohaska's got to stay healthy. He's never been healthier than he is right now. But if you can keep Prohaska at left tackle, Corcoran at left guard, 
Then you got Ben Scott, Justin Evan Jenkins, Bryce Benhart. Um, that's that's exciting. And then you've got several guys behind them that could step in if needed at, at the guard um, and even the center positions. The, the tackle remains thin. Prohaska and Bryce Benhart, their health are critical, but um, I'm excited about that line. A um, couple quick quick names, and then we're, we're going to wrap up. So Ed Foley, special teams. I think special teams took a jump this year. Still, you know, leaves a lot, little bit to be desired there, especially on punt returns. Um, I so so you know I don't want to probably spend a, a whole segment on this, but I would like to see Ed Foley in a different role. Personally, I, I Ed Foley in like a um in, in in like a personnel or analyst role. Um, high school public relations role, if you will, I think would be fantastic. I think we could get a lot more out of that role from a recruiting perspective. You know, wishful thinking on my end, but I think Bill Bush would be a fantastic replacement there. Again, Ed Foley's got a place in this program. I'm not. I'm not trying to push Ed Foley out. I'm not trying to um, replace Ed Foley. I think he he should and, and needs to be part of this program, but. Um, I think we could get more out of that special teams role. If you brought in like a Bill Bush, you lose nothing from an on-field strategical perspective, but you add a ton from a, a recruiting um, personality and just overall recruiting depth to the staff. So Ed Foley, though, um, we saw gains in, in special teams. I think we'll see further gains as we move forward, um, but just something to think about as far as the recruiting within that within that role. Evan Cooper within DB, you know, DB coach. I think his biggest value is um, player identification. Um, Matt Rule relies heavily on his on that skill set that, that Evan Cooper brings to the fold, but he also did a tremendous job developing his room. And then Josh Martin, I mentioned this at the top of the top of the episode. <coughs> Excuse me, he was. Um, tight ends coach. He he was an interim tight ends coach after the Bob Wager situation. Um, I, he, he's going to be part of the program. Don't don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's going to be on the um, ten on field positions again. We've got to see how that OC position um, in in Satterfield kind of develops and moves as we move into twenty twenty four. But um, Josh Martin will be part of this program um, for for sure. And then Garrett McGuire. There's um, a lot of talk jokes if you will about his age um really excited about that wide receiver room uh his his recruiting he's he's one of the strongest recruiters on the staff with tremendous ties in in the texas area uh he's already seen several guys come in in the 2023 class that have established deep relationships in the 2024 class um he, he again got hit with the injury bug i mean at the end of the year we were rolling out three true freshmen um a, a previous walk on and so there's a ton of talent in that room. Now we see how he develops that talent, and and I'm I'm excited ab about where where that room is headed. So, um, just a, a quick deep deep dive, if you will, on on the coaching staff where I see things going in 2024. Um, overall, couldn't be happier with with where the staff is at, uh, where um, the future is with this program. Matt Rule is relentless. He's aggressive. He's if he sees a weakness within the program, he's gonna uh, fix it. Uh, haven't had that necessarily over the last three staffs, and so uh, we've 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 got the right guy. Um, no no doubts there. So we're gonna wrap up this first episode. Just want to thank anybody that's stuck with me for what going on thirty six minutes. Appreciate uh, you guys taking a look. Just again, we're going to 
try to do an episode um, uh, a week, probably release on the weekends as we get to spring ball, maybe increase that. Um, visit us on Twitter at Big Red Huddle. Visit us on the website, BigRedHuddle.com. Um, and then on YouTube at uh, Big Red Huddle. Um, I think that's going to wrap us up for the week, though. Uh, if you guys want um, have any suggestions for, for future episodes or for uh, future topics, please reach out. We'll, we'll get those added to the, to the pod. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.